as women, entrepreneurs, professionals, truthfully, any human being living in our North American super siloed hustle culture, wear all the hats, spin all the plates and fill them up even more, put other people's needs in front of your own kind of culture. It's really not a surprise that our health is suffering both individually and as a collective. Let me read for you just a few statistics on this. According to a 2021 study by FlexJobs, 75% of workers have experienced burnout at work, with 40% of them experiencing it during the pandemic. A 2020 study by Monster revealed that nearly 70% of respondents experienced burnout symptoms working from home during the pandemic. And my own super scientific Instagram poll that I did, let me tell you, 40% of my respondents are currently burnt out and 60% have recovered or healed from burnout, which leaves a whopping zero people, 0% of people on my Instagram who haven't had or don't currently have burnout. This is clearly something touching all of us. And burnout is often characterized by emotional exhaustion, depersonalization, reduced personal accomplishment, and can lead to physical and mental health problems, reduced productivity, and increased absenteeism. I'm not even going to go into the studies and the, in the implications it has on our economy because it's so much more than that, but think in the hundreds of billions of dollars. If you know me, you know that I believe in whole life success, or as I call it, multidimensional success, which means thriving in every area of your life. Today, we're talking about prioritizing your health and wellness so that you can thrive in your career, your business, and your life. Health and wellness really is the foundation. You don't need me to tell you that without this pillar, without the foundation of health, it's almost impossible to have any other kind of meaningful success. That's why today's podcast is important. We're talking about how to spot the signs of burnout before they impact your family, your life, your business, and your bottom line. Health is the ultimate. It is so important. And yet it can become one more thing to do. Taking care of our health, both physical and mental, making time for appointments such as naturopaths, acupuncturists, nutritionists, functional medicine doctors, purchasing supplements, buying and cooking healthy food. This all takes time. Today's guest is here to help simplify health and wellness, help us understand the signs of burnout before they hit, and give us proactive tips that we can do to avoid and prevent burnout. Today's guest is Ollie Matthews, a healer working as a functional medicine doctor, nutritionist, and health coach. What Ollie does is very unique. He specializes in taking high-achieving entrepreneurs from the brink of burnout to true peak performance using bespoke functional medicine, nutrition therapy, mindset, and movement techniques without adding overwhelm to their lives. Today, he's here to help us all up-level our health and well-being so that we can live beautiful peak performance lives for ourselves. In this episode, you're going to learn, first of all, that feeling unhealthy, not sleeping well, while all these things are common and quote normalized, this is not the life you have to settle for. You're going to hear about how stress impacts your health and your hormones and what a foundation for health hormones are, let's just say that. You're also going to learn how to spot the signs of burnout and spoiler alert, it's not just being tired. Ollie shares tips and signs that I've never heard before, and trust me, you do not want to miss this. He also shares the most important things you can do to improve your sleep. Tips here that have helped insomniacs for over 20 years be able to sleep through the night soundly, not just once, but multiple times in a row. I mean, we all love our sleep, am I right? You're going to hear also in this this conversation, you're also going to hear some honest questions and reflections that you can ask yourself to face your stress, be honest about them, and create a life where stress no longer rules your life and causes your health to decline. 
You're also going to walk away from this episode with practical steps that you can take to improve your health and give you a purpose beyond just work and business. So by the end of this episode, you are going to realize that you can improve your health and wellness and know what the key signs are that your health needs more attention and support right now. You're also going to have simple and totally actionable steps that you can take today and this week to improve your health, vitality, and your ability to live life and create magic in this world like you know you're destined to do. As you listen to this episode, put away your to-dos. Trust me, they'll still be there when you're done listening. And get ready to be reminded of why your health truly is everything. Ollie has an incredibly powerful story to share on this. Get ready to be inspired to take action, to up-level your health so that you can be your best in all the other areas of your life that matter the most to you. So go ahead, get comfortable, and let's dive in. Welcome to the Golden Girls Podcast, where we believe you can have it all. I'm your host, Lisa Michaud, and I'm spilling tangible tips, goal-getting strategies, and real-life stories to inspire you to tackle your biggest dreams. You're a woman who knows you're made for more. Get ready to leave the excuses and self-doubt behind by being vulnerable, sharing your truth, and having honest conversations so you can succeed on your terms. Together, we'll set goals you'll actually achieve by staying motivated, having fun, and building a community of women empowering women. It's time to tap into your best self, get confident, and truly have it all. Golden Girl, let's dive in. Hello, Golden Girls, and welcome to this episode of Golden Girls Podcast. I am so excited to be joined here today by Ollie Matthews. Ollie is a functional medicine doctor, nutritionist, a health coach, and loves working with high achievers to get them from the brink of burnout to true peak performance without any overwhelm. Thank you, Ollie, so much for being here. My pleasure. Thanks for having me. (laughs) Well, we have a community full of high achievers, women and men that are working really hard to achieve their goals, achieve their dreams, and also have probably either been on the brink of burnout or have already hit that. So I know this episode is really going to resonate for a lot of people. And I I already love what you do so much. I'm so excited to dive in. So let's start with uh, the first part of your title, which is functional medicine doctor. And I think that's a term, honestly, I don't even know fully how to define. Uh, so how does that differ from a family doctor we grew up seeing? What does that look like? Tell us all the things about functional medicine doctors. I think like, even if you speak to different functional medicine doctors, we'll probably define what we do slightly differently compared to the person. And essentially, it's using your body to heal itself, using lifestyle methodologies, using nutrition, using movement, like making sure we're, we're using different techniques to, in order to move enough, breathing techniques, but also using nutraceutical supplements. But we're not like, yes, we do have kind of like practitioner um, abilities to prescribe some certain things, but not the full on medication that a, a medical doctor would have. So I kind of see it as like Western medical doctors are more, we're going down the emergency route and there's absolutely a need for them to be there. But I see this is more like the interventional health where we're trying to intervene and improve our health for itself. Where the f- the stresses that are being thrown at us left, right and center from day to day lives, we're there to, to kind of grab it and actually allow us to start to thrive once again. And what I do find a lot of the times is that, and some Western medicine doctors are completely different. This, I'm not trying to like tarnish everyone with, with the same rush here, but it's 
they'll go down the medicine route and we're looking to stop people having these symptoms. And I get that. Like we want people to stop having these symptoms, but the symptoms are not usually the root cause. Where I see myself as a functional medicine doctor is that I want to find the root cause as to why we're having the symptoms in the first place. So if someone's having a headache, we could give them paracetamol, we could give them ibuprofen, we could give them drugs to stop the pain, some painkillers, but if they're dehydrated, we need to get them drinking water. Mm. And that that's where I would say the differences are. I love that. And it's, I think, I don't think there's anybody that I talk to that wouldn't see, that doesn't see the need in our society, in our communities, and within ourselves to have that medical support before things get really bad. So I love, I, you know, I love this whole um, practice that's come out. What is it, the stupid question here for maybe anybody else curious too, like what does it look like to actually be trained as a functional medicine doctor? Because it's not full, um, how is it different than a naturopath? What, what is that, where does that fit? There's, there's different routes when the way of getting your insurance with different, um, various qualifications some some universities can go down it you find most of the universities will be more like the medical doctor route um but there's god knows how many courses that i've done now with this but it's been probably like six years i think it it took six seven years of practice and being in the field with different courses um of doing that becoming qualified in nutrition um and nutrition therapist as well and yeah it is still very unregulated though and that's one of the things which does get frustrating that you can just get an insurance like with not as functional medicine doctor but like advanced nutrition and things and still have the qualifications technically to be able to give some of the supplements out or to um, prescribe some of the tests some of the functional testing and i think this is where like people have to do their, their due course like and due diligence where like the licenses that I have from the UK uh, and that I was registered with the International College of Holistic Medicine um, School of Natural Health Sciences that they're going to be different to some of the ones in the US and then they're going to vary state to state as well as to like where you can practice like physical practice has to be licensed in different states and as well like it's, it's quite the way that my practice works being I have clients in the UK, have someone in Australia, someone in Taiwan, someone in the US that I've had to be really specific with my insurance just to make sure I can work with these people and, and in Canada as well. And like there's there's a lot of yeah, there's a lot of like I get paranoid so much about making sure I've got the right insurance and everything and I've got the right qualifications to practice. Like at the end of the day, I just want to help people, but we don't want to kind of shoot ourselves in the foot by not having the right qualifications to do it. So kind of a long answer to your question i get it i get it let's say which one is it like for for you to actually have yeah well you know it's kind of like coaching too like literally anybody can say they're a coach and it's i i mean i'm kind of like applying what i how i see the coaching industry to a little bit in terms of functional medicine but there's so many different approaches people can have there's kind of different specialties people can have um and i think there's both pros and cons to highly regulation so high regulation creates a bigger you know barrier to entry um obviously can create things a lot more standardized but also then sometimes maybe has less emphasis on different methodologies or uh perspectives and so it is kind of a balance there so i guess i guess what we're saying here is 
you know, it's good to have that awareness that it is, there is some variation in terms of regulations and probably really important to, you know, do your due diligence to research your practitioner as you would anybody else and both look at their credibility and also, you know, your intuition and how you, how you feel, how does this person present? What are their, get the full picture? What, how are they helping people? What's their testimonials looking like? What are you, how do you feel when you connect with them and do you think they can support you? So I, you know, I think we're, as well like it's like just just when someone's got the qualifications on paper as well are they learning just by what that governing board has then pushed in there like we need these to legally be qualified but just because someone is legally qualified are they going to be able to take you on as a person and, and, and be intuitive with it and i think this is one of the amazing things about holistic treatments as well that a lot of people like you can, you can, I'm very energetic. I can sense energy with people and, um, I'm very like on top of my own energy as in like, I, I like to look after my own energy, but if I don't get a good feeling about someone, I don't want to work with them no matter how many qualifications they've had. And yeah, but do your due diligence as well. Like we're dealing with health. Mm. I wouldn't want to be working with someone who has like just got a week, done a weekend qualification. So I, I would say yeah. just do your due diligence. It's a, I always say that I, me and this podcast and what we do is like a blend of woo and do. And I feel like you got to have yeah. that when it comes to these decisions, like the blend of the intuitive, the spiritual, the woo, and a blend of the do, like actually looking it up. What are the qualifications, testimonials, all those pieces. And when you put that, those two together, that's where you, I think, end up with the best results, whether it's choosing a functional medicine doctor or a coach or uh, anything you're doing in your life. So I appreciate that. Thank you for, uh, for adding some context there and, uh, you know, being open to us to chatting about the gray space in between. So I love that. Uh, let's talk about health specifically. I know health matters a lot to you. Why? What is your story? Why does health matter so much to you? And why do you think this is a topic that is so important, especially today? It all started when I was a kid and my parents split up and I always looked at my dad as being this, this role model. And uh, he was always there pushing to provide for his family. And he was working away and then he ended up getting jobs like out of town running um what we call like holiday parks here so um people go there with their caravans and they, they they go on holiday so he was selling caravans and like hitting his targets pushing himself and became a manager and then started taking parks from like nothing to something and got headhunted and he was there trying to provide for his family and in doing that he didn't realize that his health was getting hit wasn't overweight, didn't drink loads, didn't do drugs or anything like that, seemed to be quite active, but he used to get migraines. And there were signs of being stressed out, signs of getting brain fog, poor sleep and all these sorts of things. And then when I was 15, he went on a course, he was 47, and he had a migraine on the Monday, ended up having a stroke, and then we had to turn his life support machine off on the Saturday. And so he passed away at 47 years old, this seemingly healthy person, and I didn't realize at the time like what would actually, like this would change my life and th this would push me onto this path that I'm on. But I went down like emotional eating, went down to like music college and didn't really know what I was doing, got really, really overweight. And then I started losing weight, found the bodybuilding world, competed in bodybuilding seven times. And my last show was 2012, so I would never do that again. But it gave me this kind of obsession with eating healthy and just kind of exercise um like i was like exercise bulimia was called where i was just 
binge eating, doing loads of exercise, obsessively eating clean. It was just taking over my life. Not a healthy thing to do. And then I got into the corporate world after I was doing some personal training and things. And um, I was like, okay, well, I can now make a career of this. But then I, I lost my corporate role a couple of times due to budget cuts and um, the business is not, not really working. And I went back into training. Now, I was working with some professional athletes there as a nutritionist and people in the Rio Olympics, in the Tour de France, like professional cyclists, endurance triathletes. And it was great. It was kind of ego, though, like to say, yeah, I've got someone in the Tour de France or in the World Cycling Championships. And it was getting them A to B as fast as possible. But there was like kind of like just an afterthought about health. A lot of people, if they do a marathon, they're pushing themselves so hard, they then get sick when they stop. And I thought, well, I can work with these people. But I started working with a couple of entrepreneurs. And ironically, like one of the first people I started working out with an entrepreneur is still a client now. And that was 2015, where I decided to work with more entrepreneurs rather than professional athletes. Um, I think I stopped my last professional athlete was after the Rio Olympics around sort of end of 2016, 2017. Dive straight into entrepreneurs. And I was working with this guy. Um, so I had Ron there, but this other guy, Rick, and he si signed up to me, like he messaged me and said, I'm sick and tired of being sick and tired. I know what to do. I need you to tell me to do it. And he was getting up to his 10th wedding anniversary. And it turns out that this guy was Taylor Swift's manager, Taylor Swift's first manager. When Kanye West jumped on the stage, that was when he was launching Taylor's career. And a few months later, I was at his house in Nashville and we're standing there doing this musician's health course. And we're, first, we were in his, in his office and it was kind of surreal seeing all these platinum plaques there. We're recording this musician's health course. We go downstairs to grab a drink and he's there with his wife, 15-year-old daughter, 13-year-old son at the time. And he said, look, Ollie, you've given Jill back what she married 10 years ago. And I, I get goosebumps telling this story now because like, I couldn't help my dad. Like, I, there wasn't this, well, There was probably someone like me there, but I wasn't there to help my dad. But... I can do every single thing that I can try to do to stop another child having to go through what I went through, to stop another like mother losing their son early, like all these things that that just made it all worthwhile to say, look, like, yes, when we lose people, it's upsetting. And when it comes to his anniversary, when it comes to Father's Day, like it was his birthday when I was away at an event like last week, like, and it was the first time I'd missed taking flowers to his grave. And we can get upset at these times or we can use these experiences to make a difference. And that's what I've decided to do is that I want to help people with their health. I want to learn as much as I can and I want to be able to implement as much as I can. And whether that's through coaching, whether that's doing podcasts like this to actually be able to just give some information for free, but people should be able to have this information readily available. And that's that's basically my, my story. Wow. Uh, I should have grabbed my box of Kleenex before this, Ollie. I am so sorry for your loss. And I know that everyone listening is going to be so humbled, inspired by your, you know, your rawness and also your passion for turning something really traumatic, terrible, something you don't wish on anyone and turning that into something that actually will, will change lives and does change lives and will change the world. So, you know, thanks for taking the, the crap and turning it into something beautiful and for, for sharing it with us. You know, I, I, I believe what you are doing, what you are putting out there is absolutely going to make a difference. So thank you. 
let's let's talk about burnout because I, I don't know if you think of what, what happened to your dad as burnout or as somewhere along those lines of it. But we know that burnout is, it's everywhere. It's in the entrepreneur world, the professional world. It affects, I think, women, men, a lot of people in this hustle culture. So what are the signs of burnout? How do you know, I, I guess both questions, like how do you know if you're in it? How do you know if you're on the path to it? Big signs, waking up through the night and needing to go to the toilet. And that's one of the biggest signs that people find normal, but it's actually common. And just because something is common does not make it normal. And usually like with that, it's poor blood glucose management that's going on and some irregular stress signals. Wait, so it's not just like drinking too much water before bed. Like that's, those are. (laughs) You are drinking too much water. But the way I ask someone is that if you didn't drink that much water, would you be waking up? Like you should be able to hold your bladder through the night. But one of the things that happens is that we have this drop in glucose because we've got poor blood glucose management. And as a result, our brain needs to fuel off of glucose, doesn't have any store of it. So what happens is we have to find a way to boost our glucose levels. If not, the brain's not got any fuel. And in doing that, we have to boost cortisol, the stress hormone, which is what happens first thing in the morning. So your body just automatically thinks it's waking up and then you wake up and then you need to go to the toilet as well. And then chances are you wake up to go to the toilet, you turn the light on and then you've got blue light exposure and then you're wired. So that's that's a big, big one. And I do a lot of work with people on their blood glucose management because it's probably one of the most common things I see. And also if we can just get someone sleeping through the night, what happens when we wake up? We're stressed out and we're on the road to burnout. We wake up. Yes, we're going to the toilet, but then our mind just goes racing and then we get anxious and we're there for an hour trying to get back to sleep, tossing and turning, trying to get back to sleep. So there's more stress getting, like, then we get more frustrated. It's a vicious circle. So if we get people to sleep through the night, which we can do, I've had people that have literally been insomniacs for like 20 years, been able to sleep through the night, which is absolutely amazing. Like, I, I couldn't imagine that beforehand, like how impactful that'd been. Um, and someone that had done one of my courses as recently had just said like she slept five nights in a row and she can't remember the last time she even slept one night in a row and it's just super powerful. That's probably the biggest thing which I see which shows that we're under stress. Then there's brain fog, people forgetting things. Like I always say to people, if you go up to a room and you think, why have I come in here? Or you're searching for your phone whilst you're on the phone, like it's, it's in your hand. Like we joke about these things. And like, or you're searching for your phone while you're scrolling through Instagram. And like, we just get very, very forgetful. Um, wondering where we put our keys, those sorts of things. Losing the, the TV remote. Like, they're things that we think about. Then there's hormonal issues. So the more stressed we are, we see guys with testosterone problems, with low testosterone and issues there. We see um, women having problems with estrogen and progesterone, or maybe where um, it ends up that, going through the menopause early because you're highly stressed or that you're going through much more severe menopause than we need to because your adrenals should be able to produce enough sex hormone to be able to go through the menopause in most most conditions to not need to have things like HRT and not have to suffer severely with the brain fog. And the same with guys, when we look at testosterone replacement, we should not necessarily need these things if your adrenals are um, working effectively. So then we have problems with, with hormones. We, we have problems with 
Can I just interject there real quickly? What what would be some ideas for maybe people? Here's one. I think that we severely under under communicate, under understand as a general population hormones and how it impacts and how important they are. So for someone who's like, well, how do I know if my testosterone is low if I'm a man? How do I know if my estrogen is high or low? Like, what are some of those indicators in terms of um, hormones being off that people might like? What are some of those red flags or indicators that they might be off? I would say like, apart from the obvious like high or low sex drive, those sorts of things, like just struggling with weight loss, struggling with energy, like they can be massively linked like with with um, extra brain fog and things like that. But like most of these, like if, if you've got problems with hormones, they're going to show up like in your moods. And I think they're like, that's probably the biggest sign. Someone's always angry. Someone's always tired. Someone's just low on energy. But what we have to look at is that, and we could do a whole episode on, on hormones, is that is it the hormones that's the issue? Same when we have thyroid issues. Is it the thyroid gland that's the issue? Or is it beforehand? Remember we said about the root cause. Usually the hormone is an outcome, which is a signal problem. We have your hypothalamus, in the brain, which sends a signal to your pituitary, which sends a signal to um, ovaries, gonads, or thyroid, or adrenals, whichever like axis it is. So we have like the HPA axis, the hypothalamus pituitary adrenal axis. So it sends these messages to release the hormones. Now, when we go through high levels of stress, cortisol will throw off these hormones. Neurotransmitters signal and will throw off these hormones. Oh, these these signals, sorry, not these hormones. So then the hormones that come out at the other end are too high, too low, not at the right quality, nor these things. Then we have things where are people getting enough good fats in their diet? Are they being able to digest it? Are they getting um, bloated? And if they're getting bloated, are they then not being able to get the nutrients from their food to get the, the, the fats, get the cholesterol to actually produce the hormones in the first place? So there's, there's a lot of things where we could dive into such a rabbit hole with hormones that, I mean, I love talking about those, those things, but I think if we're looking at signs, fatigue, chronic fatigue, not being able to recover, sex drive, like, you know your normal sex drive levels. That if they are got lower in the last few years or in the last few weeks and you've been through high levels of stress, then you probably want to get your hormones checked. So good. We're definitely go down, going to go down a rabbit hole of hormones later. I'm going to have you back. I already know that. Uh, <laughs> but thanks for giving us a bit of an overview. Um, I think that's just really helpful to understand the context. And I think what's really, what I love about this too is that, you know, if you were to go to a traditional doctor, they'd be like, okay, you're tired. Let's maybe do some sleep tests or give you some, or maybe you have insomnia. Let's give you some sleeping pills. And, you know, you have low sex drive. Let's, I don't actually know what they'd give you for that. But let's say you're feeling angry. Like maybe they're going to give you some sort of a calming something, right? Or maybe you're feeling depressed. They're going to give you some sort of a, like they're kind of treating the symptoms. So I love that, you know, this is one of the things I really love about holistic medicine is pulling it back and being like, what else is happening? What's going on here? So I think that two things you really talked about here that I want to pull out, um, cause the things that we can, I think everyone 
probably has struggled with or will struggle with. And also there's meaningful things we can do to change it. And those two things are sleep and stress. So let's talk about sleep. I think this is a massive issue. Um, I was someone who, after I had my first, my child and my child started sleeping through the night, all of a sudden I had problems falling asleep. I would wake up several times a night and I would be up for hours and then I would wake up early and just, I I just could not sleep. It was almost like I needed to be sleep trained. (laughs) The baby can now sleep, but now I need to figure this out. Um, and I know, Uh, I've talked to so many people, I talk to people all the time that struggle with some level of this. So you've already talked about a little bit about how sleep affects hormones. Um, If there's anything else you want to touch on there, go ahead. But what do you, what do you do to help people navigate sleep? And what do you suggest people, what do people need to know about sleep that we haven't learned growing up? I would say that in the simplest way, following a three, two, one rule. So three hours before, Hmm. no heavy meals two hours before no work one hour before no technology so set yourself up for success so many times in the world we live in we're on screens until bedtime um like i i'm in in the uk and a lot of my clients are in the us and like so the time zones are like five or eight hours although like right now it's like screwed up because your clock's changed and ours changed next week and like yeah, it's, it shouldn't be that hard to have like an hour's extra difference, but it is. Um, but like, we're on on screens until bedtime, or maybe we're watching Netflix. We get FOMO because we don't want to have someone have a spoiler that we see on social media of, of whatever the latest show is. So we want to watch this, and then we're up late and and watching the news or something like that, which is stressful. Like bad news is the thing that sells, so it can be very stressful for us. Releasing this this cortisol. Now, we want to have this release of melatonin, the sleep hormone, where this gets released around five, six hours before bed. Now, the more consistent we can be with our bedtime, the more your body is going to know that five hours before this, we need to start releasing melatonin. Problem is, if we have this big bright light exposure, remember I said about turning the lights on when we wake up and we see blue light exposure, if we have light exposure it sees it as blue light, which is basically what the sunlight emits or the sun emits. So what happens then is it then thinks it's daytime again. So it stops, blunts this melatonin and has cortisol release. If we have an argument or say someone gets a hard training session and goes to exercise really hard in the evening, then we boost cortisol. We're going to blunt that melatonin, which is going to be very, very detrimental. So one thing I would say to people, if I was to say, to improve your sleep, I would say sleep and wake at roughly the same time, even at weekends. Because what happens with the Monday morning feeling, for example, is that people try to get up on a Monday morning and they feel really groggy. Like say, say people have got your your general like nine to five job and they get up on a Monday on a nine on they want to start at nine to five to so get up at six o'clock. Now. They end up going to bed at, say, 10 p.m. Great. Then the, the Tuesday, they get up. It's a little bit easier. Wednesday, it's much easier to get up. Thursday, they feel good at 6 a.m. And, and then Friday, great. The weekend's coming. Now, there's also a psychological aspect of this, of like feeling, like hitting your purpose and stuff like that. But say Friday night, we have this celebration that we've finished the week, the working week. So we stay up a little bit later. We may have some takeaway. May, maybe there's a couple more alcoholic drinks. So rather than getting to bed at 10, we're up till midnight because we don't have to get up on Saturday. Now, what happens Saturday, rather than being up at 6 a.m., we get up at 8 a.m. 
Now, we don't have the same roughly food times. Maybe we go out and see some friends for brunch and we have a, a more processed breakfast. Then we don't have our lunch. And then in the evening, we have we have another like, maybe we have a night out. We go out dancing, we have some more drinks and stuff and we're out till 1 a.m. Yep. And then Sunday morning comes and we want to have some extra time because we're tired. So we now get up at 9 a.m., maybe 10 a.m. And then um, like we have like a traditional roast dinner over here in the UK, like maybe a 3 p.m. like lunch. And then what happens is you've woken up at 9, 10 a.m., but you've got to get up at 6 a.m. the next day. So you're trying to get to sleep at 10 p.m. and your body's not ready. And it's the same, basically, it's what we call, and it's been like diagnosed, is social jet lag. So if anyone's had jet lag and I came back from Miami, I was speaking in Miami last week and I came back on Thursday um, and luckily it only takes like a day or two to get over jet lag with the right blue light blocking glasses and getting into your routine. But when I used to have really bad jet lag, if I'd done a, an LA trip and it was eight hour difference, it would take me a good week to get over it. Now we're doing that every single week and already your body clock actually runs on 24.2 hours a day. But the actual clock, natural clock is 24 hours. So we have to absorb that 0.2 hours already. So already if we're stressed, if we're having poor circadian rhythm, wake up times and sleep times, they're all over the show. It's not to say you have to be specific dead on the, on the time, but half an hour each way. If we're, we're not appreciating our body enough to do that. No wonder we feel groggy. No wonder we feel tired. Okay, that... As you said, like when, when you've got kids and you throw them into the mix, it's not always up to you whether you, you, you wake up during the night or anything like that. But do the best that you can on that situation. You know, I have to say this is actually probably one of the only parts that parents have a slight advantage because generally speaking, your children go to bed at roughly the same time and whether you want them to or not, they wake up at about the same time, weekends too. And I I have to say, you know, this is something that I actually think parenting really helped me with because I certainly used to be all over the place for bedtime and wake up time. But like my kid, like she's, she's pretty consistent. Uh, Even when we switched the clocks again, you know, like she doesn't care. She doesn't know what the clock says. She's just up and she's ready to go and she's rocking the day. So I think this is one place where parents have an advantage. Uh, and this is one of, I feel like the least sexy tips, but probably one of the most powerful. Like if people did nothing else, I know, I know no one wants to hear this, but like once you get, I, and I, I am a night owl. My husband is a morning person. And I mean, I, everyone has this story. None of us marry the people that have the same, uh, none of us marry people with the same clock as us. Yeah. I don't know why that happens. Um, but it like it, that just like makes such a big difference. And we've found, like, yeah, I'm, I'm like preaching here with you. Let's go. Um, <laughs> there's, there's other things you can have as well. Like making sure you eat at roughly the same time and not within mm. like ridiculous, as I say, within the first like three hours of bed. But again, everyone's going to be different. Schedules are going to be different when we finish work. So do the best you can. And if we're honest with ourselves, like the same with alcohol, like I don't drink because I don't like the taste of alcohol. If I did like the taste of alcohol, I would probably drink just full disclosure with that. Not ridiculously loads, but people have a social drink. I get that. But there's actually no studies to show that there's a very good reason to have alcohol for health. And when we look at resveratrol and stuff like um, for like red wine, you have to drink so much of it, you'd be absolutely wasted. Like it's, it's not going to have the health benefits. 
and then we get dehydration and stuff. So when people say, is there a benefit? Like, I would love to say there are some because like some of my clients, that, like, I'm not someone that says like, cut out all alcohol, but just be aware of it that alcohol knocks you out, but it doesn't get you restorative levels of sleep. So when people need this nightcap to switch off, why? Is it because you're stressed out? And is there something else that you're kind of like shying away from that we need to deal with? And loads of the times there's a psychological aspect. When I work with people, I like to ask the question, like when they say, like, I can't drink, I can't cut out drink. I say, is it you can't cut out drink or you won't? Because if you can't cut out drink, that's a psychological aspect we need to go deeper into. If it's you won't, that's okay. And we need to just be realistic with that. Mm. You know, um, we... My like we love our wine in, in this house. Like I named my daughter Sonoma after the wine region. We had our wine tour oh, for wow. our wedding. Like it's been a part of, it's part of our lives. Uh, we've invested in a winery, worst investment ever. Nice. But anyways, a whole bunch of things. Um, <laughs> but I'll say this, um, you know, the last couple of years after I, you know, when I was struggling with sleep and I learned about alcohol, I, and especially at the beginning of COVID, I was like, I need to be on my, my A game here and take it, really take care of my health and cutting out alcohol. And I have to say the options for alcohol free now have completely changed. And for me, I realized like it was a really big social thing. And I love seeing that. I think feel like we're in a cultural change where people are more aware of it. People are, I remember, you know, 10 years ago, if you weren't drinking, you were either had a problem with it or you were pregnant if you're a woman and there wasn't an in-between. So it's really cool to see that, you know, spaces opening up. Um, I'll link in the show notes too, to one of my favorite places to get alcohol-free options for people that are looking for that. Um, that if, if you're someone who does like the does like the taste of alcohol and things that actually still taste really good and 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 are great in those social situations. So I'll link to that below and a podcast we did about sober curiosity because I think this is actually one of the trends in society that makes me really optimistic about where we're going as humans. I think it's really cool. So I think what, with alcohol as well, like it's making sure your systems are able to detoxify. Like I, I done a whole talk on this in, in Miami and like do what you can to improve your detoxification systems. So if we can How do we do that, that? And, our good and um, well, making sure we're hydrated. Uh, when we look at like stress levels, like not doing a detox protocol, or, or, like a juice fast and stuff like that, because actually showing some supplements can actually impact detoxification that are in a lot of detox supplements. Things like turmeric and uh, green tea extract, milk thistle, black pepper. These are things which can, they upregulate one part of, of Detoxif can't speak detoxification like phase one, but a lot of them downregulate phase three. So actually, they they stop you from actually getting rid of the toxins, which can make things really worse. Again, we can do a whole episode on on, on detox, and I'm going to be doing a lot more content on on detoxification. But it's just making sure that do some research on detoxification and making sure you're able to detox, not just having like a heavy weekend and then just not drinking for a while, like actually supporting your liver, supporting your kidney, supporting methylation, glutathione, NAC. These are supplements that can really help. Um, even things like, and check on medications, but things like St. John's Wort can, can really help. And the reason that people always say check with medication with St. John's Wort is because it speeds up phase three, which is releasing the toxins like out of your out of your system, making sure you have saunas, making sure you sweat, like, they're things that are really, really going to help. 
Amazing. I love it. Okay, so so far you've had a whole lot of bad news. Like ever, we all got to go to bed at the same time and wake up at the same time on weekends. <laughs> Drinking doesn't uh, drink. doesn't actually help us sleep and it makes our sleep worse. Okay. Um, yeah, tell me, tell me that. <laughs> oh, the backlash from this is going to be epic. I can't wait. Um, okay, so now you're also telling us we can't be on our phones before bed. And I'm going to like be the first one to put my hand up here, Ollie, and say, I know this. I hear this. But like I read on my phone before bed. Tell me, what am I doing? Give us some ideas for ways that we can wind down in that last hour before bed if it's not on a screen. Books. Oh, actual physical books, people. He just yeah, showed me. They still exist. Just, oh, <laughs> but, <laughs> but then I have the light on and my husband's like, oh, I can sleep. <laughs> well, it, it, it's, it's the temptation with your phone that you could then switch to Facebook, switch to Instagram. You do it just as a reaction. And I used to do it all the time. And then some people say their phone is their alarm clock. Well, get an alarm clock, they're not expensive. And I use an alarm clock, alarm clock, alarm clock, I can't speak again today, called a Lumi lamp. And this actually is like a, there's like a Philips Hue light, a Lumi lamp. They light up over 30 minutes. So actually, I have like, this you, and do I don't use it? it. No, tell me more. Sell me on this. It. <laughs> so it emulates like the sunrise. So when you have these dark winter mornings and like you want to be woken up, so surreal how it wakes you up over that time. And apart from when I've had to catch an early flight and I, I'm like three hours away from Heathrow that and I need to wake up at like 3 a.m. I've not had to use the actual sound po portion of the alarm. So your phone being outside. And like if people have emergencies and stuff and people are, oh, I don't want to switch it because my family may need me, I'll put it outside and put it on loud for like certain people to only contact you. But keep your phone outside your room because it's so tempting when you wake up just to start scrolling through Facebook or you hit your emails. Now, if you've got a business and you hit your emails and there's a negative email, you're not going to go back to sleep and deal with it at 8 a.m. the next morning, are you? You're going to deal with it then, or it's going to be playing on your mind. And especially one of the things that I realized for what I do, and I, I used to say to people, I'm available 24-7. Like, I'm not. Like, no one is. Like, if, if we're being realistic, and, and when people say it, like... We shouldn't yes. be either. Exactly, right? Um, people that work in office jobs, like bosses want people to contact at like 10 p.m. at night or respond to work emails. People take work home. There's such a blur between where the office finishes and the home starts, especially when we think about COVID, when people were working from home so much and still businesses are doing that. Now, we, we uh, you run your business from home, right? Yes, yes, yeah. So, so do I. So like, it's great to have an office and to shut my door when I finish, but it can be so easy to just work later and always respond to messages. And I have to make sure that I have a cutoff time because it allows me to practice what I preach. And also things like have and do not disturb on at weekends and telling my clients that I will reply, but I'm not saying I'm going to. So like, just be aware that it will be slower to reply at weekends. If you've got like, I've had a couple of people do like running events or photo shoots. And like, if you've got something more extreme coming up, if someone's in a launch period and they need some extra support for their health, they've got a mastermind and they need to make sure that we just really, really helping them with their health. I'm there for them, but like, I have to have time with my wife, have to have time with my family and being present in that time 
is so powerful. So things like leaving my car, my phone in the car when we go for a restaurant, like in the glove box, that sort of thing, um, or even just leaving it at home. And like, I know that if anyone needs to contact me in emergency, the only people that would need to contact me would have my wife's number. So for me, leaving my phone at home shouldn't be an issue because there's not going to be an emergency that say it's my mom or my stepdad that need to contact me, they can contact her. So having your phone there, like you can have Kindles and things and like, yes, there's still going to be some light exposure, but at least the Kindles, you're not going to be able to go on social media. Thank you. I feel like you just gave me permission because I, uh, I, yeah. I bought us another Kindle uh, over the holidays. And yeah, like I feel like part of that, I, I've actually been really good about, I actually have no interest in going on social media. I, I just, yeah. I just don't at, at nighttime. I just love to, I love reading. Um, so thank you for giving me permission on my Kindle. I appreciate that. <laughs> my um, and great, such good reminders about boundaries. Are there any other things? And I, I feel like this also ties to the second part of what I wanted to chat about, which was stress. And like, uh, we all know that we're, we probably have too much stress. And especially like, I think putting away our phone is a great example of just like reducing the amount of inputs that are coming towards us. Cause I think that's a stressor. It feels like there's always like 50 new messages on this platform and this platform and this platform and this place and bings and dings and all the things. Um, but what, uh, like, you know, what else would you say about kind of reducing stress? And, um, maybe that ties to a few more ideas of what we can do in that one hour before bed where we're not supposed to be on our phones well, like it's, it's switching the notifications off is really powerful and i usually have notifications off throughout the day because like my phone's here right now and i'm on a podcast i don't want a notification coming through if i'm on a client call that client has paid me for my specific time and for my attention so i don't need notifications coming through and like deleting notifications that you don't need on there like you don't need to know what like 10 people have just said on facebook or anything like that like delete the really unimportant notifications but i think stress is about perception there's some studies by robert sapolsky that are in his book behave and talks about just because someone's poor doesn't inherently mean they're stress it's about what that perception of being poor means to that person and there's a couple of things where like eating your food at your desk can impact your digestion if you eat your food where you pay your bills and you deem that to be stressful, it can be stressful. It can impact your digestion. Eating your food while scrolling through Facebook, eating your food while watching TV. That when you go to the cinema, you go to the movies, and all the foods are bite size because they want you to just eat through this and just buy some more. They don't want you to be having to think to break chocolate up and, and put it into your mouth and all that stuff. They're all bite sized pieces. So stress is down to perception. Now, I know myself, I can't stand roller coasters. I'm not a white knuckle ride person. Um, and some people love them. Some people have them to chill out. They're still going to have the same stress response. Yeah, we're the opposites there. But it's about perception. So what is deemed stressful for you may not be stressful for others. But one thing we can be super, super guilty of is that we try and do too much. So where I've said today, alcohol is is bad like if, if that's what people want to see with, with my overall like meaning with that alcohol is bad well yeah but if you need a little bit of alcohol in the social situation like it's, it's about moderation as well you could also say that certain food groups are bad like with me like i'll have some some diet coke every now and then and and like sweeteners and things like we're, we're going um 
for afternoon tea it's mother's day here in the uk at the weekend so we go like we love having afternoon tea with like cakes and sandwiches and scones and stuff typically quintessentially quintessentially british but like we love this stuff i couldn't be more stereotypical if i tried there could i um, but, <laughs> absolutely like, not we, no. have these <laughs> we, we have these things and it's like do what you can most of the time consistency over perfection because if we try and be perfect we're no doubt going to have a day where business doesn't go as we want it to. Like we start having to put out some fires. Then I remember when we spoke, like your daughter wasn't very well. So you're not going to be able to do everything you planned to do then because your daughter wasn't very well. I hope she's fine now, by the way. Um, oh, she's been but, sick like, three more times, Ollie. Yeah. It's been <laughs> since we chatted. <laughs> They're cheering little, cool. little buggers, let me tell you. <laughs> <laughs> but like, just easing up on ourselves giving ourselves some some kind of respect and space it's one thing i've had to do over the last few years building my business of that we're driven we want to push to this next level but when are we switching off and i think like stress we can put more stress on than we need to so perception and awareness of stress is so crucial being honest with yourself what's causing that stress and being honest with yourself if you're one of the ones causing that stress like there's something that you're putting off, which you know you need to do, which you know is causing you stress. Why are you putting it off? And what would actually happen if you did implement that? I don't know if that's going to get us even more backlash. <laughs> Ollie telling us all to look at ourselves. Uh, I'm mostly joking. That's no, it's so it's such a good, such good advice because I it's say really this because these conversations that I've had myself have been the hardest conversations I've had. So I'm only saying this from self-experience as to why it's helped. I I mean, that's why it's so powerful. And I'm so, I'm very, I'm joking. I'm teasing you. I'm very grateful yeah. you brought this up um, because it is really important to look at like where we are putting on those perceptions and where we're, we are putting on that pressure and what we can do in our, in our spheres as well. So I appreciate you. Um, like those deep reflection questions are really important. And I mean, maybe there's an idea of things that we can do before bed is like journaling on some of these questions on some of these yeah, thoughts yeah, like and exploring. Yeah. Cause I think those, those moments of pause, I, I think we actually don't have those in our society enough. Um, and I honestly, like I'm, I'll be the first one to say this, like I'm guilty of not giving myself that space. Cause sometimes I don't know what to do with it. It feels uncomfortable. Uh, so I Same think, <laughs> thank you. <laughs> we, we won't go on the same roller coasters together, but, but, we can both, <laughs> but we're yeah. both awkward in times of space. Um, yeah. but it's like, that's kind of the biggest gift. And I think, you know, I, I wonder, and I feel like a great way to kind of wrap up this, this episode before we go into three more rabbit holes on other episodes together, um, <laughs> is this idea of like carving out that space before bed to maybe do some of this exploration and create that stress and purposefully put in the places in life, uh, where we can, we can be, we can reflect, we can not have more stress implemented and not try and do more and more and more, but instead just be instead. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. All right. Before we wrap up, I'm going to ask you two rapid fire questions. Uh, first question, what is a goal that you're working on right now? To constantly progress without overly stressed, being overly stressed. Ooh. What are you trying to progress? Hmm. 
my life, as in constantly improve my knowledge without being obsessed with improving my knowledge that it adds extra stress, improving my connection with my wife. Um, we're looking to have a kid, so that's quite progressive. Um, and I just want to be able to progress like my kind of the content I've got here. So like if people can't afford to work with me one-to-one -one or they can't get on one of my courses, like I can just say, look, there's that article, there's that content. That's progression for me, that there's a baseline for people to have information. So cool. Thanks for sharing that. I love it. Uh, and where can people find you? Uh, OJAYHealth.com. And if they wanted to, on the mailing list, there's a eight steps to reduce stress and um, eliminate brain fog. I have to remember my own lead magnet there. Um, eight, <laughs> stress to, uh, eight steps to reduce stress and, and eliminate brain fog. So if you go to OJAYHealth.com forward slash brain fog, then you can download that. I and on love social it. media, it's OJHealth. We have, will have all the links below in the show notes to learn more about Ali, to get the eight steps to reducing the brain fog. I know there's going to be so many people excited about that. Um, Ali, thank you so much for being here today. Thank you for sharing this amazing knowledge. Thank you for doing what you do in the world. Uh, we're going to have you back for sure. If anyone's got questions, shoot me a DM and I'll make sure to ask them to Ali next time. Thank you for being here. You're such a gift. Um, just keep doing what you're doing. We, we need you. Thanks so much for having me. Well, friend, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. I loved Ollie's passion for this topic and his dedication to holistic approaches to health, looking at the whole picture and not just symptom management. We forgot to mention during the recording, oh my fault, sorry Ollie, uh, he has an incredible program called the Revitalization Blueprint, and he's offering a special discount for Golden Girls podcast listeners. The Revitalization Blueprint is here to allow you to take control of your health, including nutrition, mindset, and movement, and you get the opportunity to work with Ollie at an accessible price, especially with the special discount he has offered us. Check the show notes for all the details and the code, the links, everything, and to learn more about Ollie, the Revitalization Blueprint, and everything he's got. I already know that he is going to come back for another episode, so stay tuned. I want to de dive deeper into gut health and brain fog and hormones, and poor Ollie, he has no idea how much I'm going to bring him back to Golden Girls Podcast. I know I say this at a, pretty much the end of every episode, but I really, really, really mean this. Take action. Try one thing from this episode this week. As someone myself who has struggled with insomnia, with severe brain fog, and probably a level of burnout. It really took me years of figuring this out and piecing together a solution here and a solution there to, for me to feel better. So please don't take this episode lightly. And if you want to know more about my journey there, the brain fog, insomnia, all those things, the burnout, uh, episode 57 of Golden Girls Podcast is my life update episode where I, I talk a lot more about that. Look, I'm not willing to go back there. I don't want you to go there. If you're there, I want to help you get out. So here is me taking my own advice. Here's my accountability and action taking. Because I'm not just going to tell you to do it and then record this episode and walk away and, and be done with it. I also am going to make a change because this is so important. Here is my commitment. I'm going to go to bed for the next week, maybe even two, without my phone in my room. I'm, if I, I love reading before bed, so I'm going to read on my Kindle. And I'm going to use my pretty fancy 
Philips light alarm clock, the one that makes it look like a sunrise in my bedroom, the one that I have not been using. Um, I mean, I know it's supposed to help. It's got great reviews and so I'm just going to do it. And if you want to check it out, I've put a link in the uh, show notes as well for you to check that out. If you want to give it a try, it is a fancier version of an alarm clock. You do not need anything this fancy. Uh, you probably have one kicking around in your storage locker or in a closet or can find one on a free buy nothing group on Facebook. Uh, so you know, if you also want to try the whole alarm clock thing and leaving your phone out, do it. Um, and thank you for holding me accountable to this. And Troy and I are going to have to have some conversations about what wake up and sleeping and all those things look like, but I'm ready for it because I know my sleep can be even better. If you are looking for accountability, uh, I should say this, thank you very much for holding me accountable. If you want it too, do an Instagram post or an Instagram story and tag me and Golden Girls Podcast on Instagram and let us know how you're taking action. Are you going to try the 3 two, one rule? Will you try sleeping with your phone outside the bedroom too and using an alarm clock? Are you going to cut back on alcohol or eliminate altogether? I want to know. Let us know. Uh, you can tag Ollie too. I'm sure he would love to hear it. Trust me when I say as a podcast host, as a, as a guest on other people's podcasts, and as I've interacted with all of our incredible guests, there's nothing more motivating or exciting to us than to know that you're implementing what we're sharing and that it's helping you. Like that's that's why we're here. That's why we create this is to help you and serve you and help you create the life that you want. So please share with us. We want to know. Thank you for listening. And if you have somebody in your life, a partner, family, friend, neighbor, a colleague, if you love them and you want them to be healthy for life and you want them to join you on your health journey, share this episode with them. That's all for today, my friend. I hope this episode about health and burnout helps you identify the signs and get the support that you need to feel energized, take action so you can have vitality and longevity to live the life you deserve and desire. Thank you so much for listening. If something spoke to you, send me a message by sharing this episode and tagging me on social media. If you know someone who would love to hear this episode, please share it with them too. Because I love surprises, make sure you subscribe to the Golden Girls podcast today. It's the only way to find out about bonus surprise episodes and make sure you don't miss a single beat on your golden journey. Thanks again for listening and I will talk to you in the next episode of the Golden Girls podcast.